this idea that you only get a coach when you really have problems to solve. One of the most important things for me is the willingness of the coachee to enter into that journey. Make sure you all are on the same page as to what you know the person's there to help you with and for. Part of the problem is that the coaching industry is not regulated. There is a stage before that. Many voices, many different thoughts, many insights in this special episode of the World of Work podcast of the WOW. It was a live event which took place on June 17th. And I was joined by Chiara Covone, the special guest, and we talked about demystifying coaching. But you heard there were other voices that were part of this conversation because actually the panel was pretty broad. A dozen or so participants taking part on what is a relevant topic because there's a lot of noise around coaching and the purpose of the event was really to unpack some of these myths and to provide some clarity in terms of what coaching is and what it isn't. But let's tune into the conversation and let's start by getting to know Chiara a bit better. Yes, with pleasure. Thank you everybody for joining for today. So my name is Chiara and Chiara Covone. I am originally Italian, so like Paola, um, I think it's kind of an interesting mix of uh, two Italians. There's more Italians actually here on the call, which is always fun. So I'm originally from Rome. I left Rome in 2004 and started living abroad. I lived many years in Lausanne. So I see there's a couple of people from Lausanne. Lausanne is really my second home still. Um, I loved living in Puy. And uh, I moved then to Austria. Then I lived also in Zurich a couple of years. And then I moved to, to Sweden. And so my career was very much into Philip Morris, 12 years. So this is where we met with Paula. We were working developing next generation products for adult smokers. It was a really engaging and fantastic journey. And then we both left Philip Morris and I moved on to work for Mondelez. Um, and then after Mondelez, I decided that I wanted to do something completely different. And by the way, I became a mom of twins on the way, which kind of put my total world upside down. <laughs> and, uh, and this was actually the biggest opportunity that I got because I felt I lost completely my whole confidence because I was a senior leader in an organization. I joined Dear Smith then, um, which is a packaging manufacturer. So I, I moved into a very male dominated um, industry as a vice president in innovation. And I was a mom of twins, of two little things that couldn't speak, <laughs> couldn't express themselves. And I was, I was living in this scarcity mindset. I was never enough, never enough at work, never enough at home. And, and I really felt like, what is this life about? Where's my funny life that I was going skiing to Verbier every weekend? I can't recognize that anymore. But of course, I loved both my work and my being at home um, uh, as a mom and a wife, by the way. And, um, and so I actually got myself a coach and, uh, and this really opened up a new world in front of me because I understood that a lot of the things that I thought were external from me were actually internal. And this has really got me to say, okay, this is actually my path. This is my calling. I don't know if you read the book, um, The Big Leap, but um, um, Gay Hendricks, the author talks about your zone of genius. You know, you have four zones, there's a zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and then there is a zone of genius. And the zone of genius is really where you do things where work doesn't feel like work. And I really found that place and I'm so grateful. So I dropped everything, I dropped an amazing job and an amazing salary for, you know, starting all over. You become and a genius. That's what it's all about. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it takes that leap. 
that's that that's great and and um we'll have uh, of course the opportunity to get to know more about your story uh and um but i'd now like to focus on the conversation about you know this this concept of coaching and demystifying and again i do put a warning out there there are quite a few ba coaches on this call um and and i do think that given the fact this is also for listeners who may not be connected live, but for people who are really curious about it, skeptical perhaps about it. Uh, and that's why I think also sharing your story is important because you've also gone through that process, like many in this call have as well. Um, but I think if, if you would agree as a collective, we kind of try to unpack what could be some of the myths regarding coaching. And now Chiara and I have you know, she's, she's come up with her list. I have my small list. And, and if you would agree, we would start with that. Uh, and then feel free to join in if any of these myths kind of ring true to you too. Um, and, and again, with the intent of putting some clarity, I think about what coaching is and what it isn't. Would you like to, would you like to start it off, Chiara, with your Yes, absolutely. Paula, Paula, Michelle, can I just ask a question? What you mean by BA coaches when you say that? Sorry, I don't know. I wanted to be, I wanted to be politically correct. Okay. (laughs) And and so, uh, so it's not the business administration BA, but it's more the sisterhood BA, you know, like the, the, the BA. Okay. Uh, okay. Bad, bad. Got it. <laughs> okay, I got it, got it, got it. Yeah. All right. I'm <laughs> so, not going to do a drawing for that, but... <laughs> Clear, thanks. Yeah, so, a drawing maybe in, in, the, in the show notes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, Lou, nice to see you, by the way. I, I didn't see you before. It was uh, good to catch up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, would you like yeah. to... Would you like to... Let's kick it off with... Um, Perfect. So, so the first myth um, that I encounter a lot when I am... You know, talking to potential new clients um, in my coaching business is, no, I, I don't need a coach. I, I don't have a problem. So there is this idea that you only get a coach when you really have problems to solve. And I think it is so interesting because somehow this perception must have come from somewhere, right? And I, of course, always like to understand, you know, why do you think that you only need a coach? I mean, look at Federer. Does Federer have a problem? doesn't look like. And the other thing is also that somehow coaching has not been democratized. We talk a lot with Paula about democratizing coaching. And the reality is that, and Susan, you might have had a different, very different experience because in the US, I think coaching is like miles away, way more advanced than in the rest of the world. Um, but in Europe, in some parts of Europe, coaching has really not taken off as much as we can see in the US. And therefore, there is this perception that you either are a CEO, right? So if you're a CEO, you probably have a coach, or you're Federer. <laughs> but the rest of the world doesn't need a coach, doesn't want a coach, doesn't understand what coaching is. And I think really it's so interesting to demystify this perception that coaching is about empowering people, embracing your full potential within you, and and get the noise out that it stays in the way for you to express the full potential. So really helping 
the world to understand that coaching is a help, it's a supporting role, like you can see in the sport world, I think it's the first thing that we want to um, clear the water. Shall, shall we pause on that one and kind of get a, yes. a, a temperature check here on this point? So you get a huge thumbs up from me, uh, Kiara, on that one, the whole concept of people thinking that they have, they're broken. You know, there's something broken or something bad going on. They show up and therefore they don't want to say that there's something bad going on because they don't think there was one. And so you get into this loop of, I don't need it. So that's a really good one. And so what I would say to any listener is, um, you know, this opportunity um, that Kiara said to open up yourself and just really start to unpack things that you haven't given thought to it is a good start. So that I like that comment. Now, Susan, now I know why you and I are sisters, because I prepared my little. <laughs> oh, <part>. my God. <laughs> the myth of coaching is about fixing someone and someone is broken. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a promise. We did not. We did not prepare. We didn't talk. <laughs> I, Susan lives on the other side of the pond, <laughs> of the ocean. And uh, but, yeah, I think this is, you know, there's a myth. It's about something is broken in me or we need to fix something or I have a problem with something and uh, it, it doesn't it's it's about optimizing in my view you know and through that process of optimization you may discover other things you know that may be popping up could be limiting beliefs could be obstacles it could be whatever little pebbles may come our way um but i think this was an important one right it's not about very important one fixing something or someone um but it's about optimizing Right. Yeah. And, and Kat, I also had one, but that one we kind of did together, right? Which is linked to what you were saying. The Southern myth right. coaching is for executives and leaders. From a corporate perspective, this is how it's viewed, by the mm -hmm. way, when you're in a company. Uh, the HR departments, which we know quite a bit about, tend to invest more and sponsor more coaching at executive and leadership level. Can we maybe do a deeper dive on this on this one because to some extent this is not so much of a myth as much of a truth a reality <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that coaching is only for executives and senior leaders is a myth that's that's the only those people have access to it and should have access to it i think that's a myth um and and i think it's interesting to understand why right what is the background from an HR perspective, from an organizational perspective to say, yes, this leader, we want to give him a coach or her versus, you know, the rest of the population doesn't, you know, we shouldn't bother. And of course, there is a cost involved into that. But I think it's bigger than that because the cost is, doesn't justify. It's a benefit. But it's also this, this um, really strong belief, I think, that with coaching, you are more effective. And therefore, it's more important when you are at that level, at board level, right, that you're interacting with the board all the time. So at that level, it's more important that you're really effective and efficient and you're maximizing your potential versus below that level or, you know, two, three degrees lower than that. You know, that's not as important. You can be quite ineffective in your work and the company is still going to survive. So I think there is this double those two elements, which I really think is interesting. And I'd like to hear the comments of the, of the people here on the call, what their experiences on this. It's Michelle here. I was thinking that maybe for 
these senior executives, it's all, I don't want to say it's too, it's too late, but these are sort of skills and things that should be um, promoted and enhanced in people as they're coming up the ladder. So I think it's, um, yes, there's a, they see a return on investment and there's always that cost. And I think at least I can speak for the company I work for and and then Paula and some on the call know it. We tried to get a, you know, a coaching culture involved because I think there are certain mm-hmm. things you could do as managers just to instill asking the right questions and things like that. It starts for me very, very early to get to get the benefits and it's pretty short-sighted to focus in and, and pay and invest in two or three when they're in quite senior positions already. Um, so that's what I would add. That's, I think that's super valuable, uh, Michelle, what you're saying, because um, I mean, I, I think the executive coaches that I've seen, sorry, the executive coaches uh, that get mm-hmm. a coach, usually it is because of this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's not yep. to optimize, but mm-hmm. actually uh, there are quite a few. And, and yeah, uh, mm-hmm. of course, we're not here to to disclose uh, any kind of information. But I do think it's important to that if you do get a coach and you're an executive, that's not always a good sign, no matter how well it is positioned. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I'm on the other side and sometimes I've seen what it means to coach an executive, there is a lot of a lot of skepticism in terms of hmm are you is this a real um, peer-to-peer honest transparent coach to coach you relationship or are you on behalf of the company trying to get some sort of information about me or trying to fix me because there's some mm-hmm. other issue that nobody really wants to talk to me about mm-hmm. so I, I kind of I Michelle, definitely, you know, when you do get to that level, it, it is too late in many cases, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And also, I think if we go back also to the, you know, to the first myth that we talked about, because coaching, I mean, there is a lot of executive coaching, but there is also life coaching. There is uh, marriage coaching. There is um, sales coaching. There is a lot of coaching. And often cases, those are actually, you call upon a coach when you do have a problem, right? So those are, Unfortunately, you don't get a life coach just because you want to have you want to be more effective at work or sorry at home. Unfortunately, you do go go and ask today very often for a coach when you have something to fix. So it becomes kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's an interesting one, right? Like when mm-hmm. is the best time? I think that that could be another interesting topic. Is like when is the best time and when is it most effective? to actually invest in a coach. Let's say now from a, a, a personal, uh, individual perspective, let's put corporations for a second aside, but say I want to, when would it be appropriate, would you think the best time and most effective time to invest? I mean, in- I think as early as possible, and I'm happy to, you know, to hear other opinions, but I, I see when I coach, I have some very young clients uh, um, that are you know in the 24 years of age and I love being able to empower them at that age because then you don't you don't build up all those limiting beliefs all those you know disempowering belief over the years you, when you start very early then you are more equipped to face whatever life throws at you so I would definitely say you know in some university I know particularly in the U.S. but also in the U.K. I know that coaching is already offered at a, at a very young age when you are in, in college and I do think that that's so helpful and those that maybe have you know maybe are more professional in the sport world that they have coaches have been coaching 
had coaching services there, I think maybe they're already more open in the mind with the mindset to to that practice. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on that? Uh... Yes, I think I, I disconnected the camera because the connection is a bit unstable, so I think it's better now. Okay. I think that my my most powerful opportunities to interact with, with, with a coachee is really the most interesting one are the ones that are linked yeah. to development, right, to, to people development. So it can be when a person starts growing their career, it can be in the middle, it can be when they are even senior, right? But the, one of the most important things for me is the willingness of the coachee to enter into that journey. Because for me, having worked in corporations, one of the biggest problems is when oh, I'm going to put you a coach, going back to what you said, Paola, before, right? Mm -hmm. When something is broken, I'm going to be putting you a coach. And you as a person, you don't have the choice because right. it's not politically correct to say, I don't want a coach. So you engage in coaching sessions, but at the end of the day, you don't tackle the real things. You work on the superficial stuff. And that's really, honestly, waste of time, waste of money, waste of everything. So I would like to, to, to take into consideration this part, the willingness, because mm -hmm. then if it's possible or not possible, the company has money, not money, whatever, that can happen. But it has to be really intentional from the coachee, that commitment that I really want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And do you think people are equipped um, enough to understand when to go to a coach, when to go to a therapist? What's the difference between the two? Because I, I kind of think that's another type of myth. Yes. Uh, you know, coaching is therapy. Exactly. We can say it can be therapeutic, but it's definitely not therapy. <laughs> but I think, you know, making that distinct... I think, by the way, I mean, it's not therapy. We're not, you know, qualified therapy. therapists. We're not there to do psychotherapy. Uh, um, so I think, Graziella, to your point, it, it, it depends, the willingness, yes, maybe you identify you have something you want to work on about yourself, etc. How do you draw that line between saying, well, maybe I need therapy or maybe I need yeah. When it comes to the, the, the coaching, uh, first of all, what I find interesting is to start, imagine the first session, the, the chemistry call or whatever it is to really explore and to really clarify what coaching is and what is not, okay? Because there is a tendency to draw lines. And actually, when you are working on something which has to do with work, then people bring their personal experiences, right? Their own stuff. But... You can clarify at the beginning. Having said that, you need to be professional enough that then if you start or you engage in coaching sessions and you see that, you know, it's really going somewhere else, the direction is moving somewhere else, is the right moment to pause and to really redirect because, you know, it might be like I'm not the person who can help you or I can help you up to this extent. And then moving forward, you need to go and look for help on this. But then it's very important. It's as important to engage and as important to disengage or to give the person the opportunity to, you know, to reconnect with someone else when you cannot help anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, such a good, I was going to say similar, Graciela, this is Susan, that that's a key point. That's coaching in and of itself, right? When you set up that first assessment meeting, and that's what I call it, I do six sessions. And the first is, is a deliberate and intentional assessment meeting where we go over what, what it is and what it isn't, and what are your fears and what you shouldn't be fearful of. And so there's an article that I always send them ahead of time from a Harvard Business Review that says, so you want to be coached, you know, I think is the name of the, the title of the article. And it gets into these points. But Graciela, that was just such a great point around um, if you have never co- been coached before, look for that in your, your, your coach. Ask, you know, make sure you all are on the same page as to what, you know, the person's there to help you with and for. So that willingness, and I call it ready, willing. And then I'll help you be able, but you got to bring the ready and willing to the party, right? Like I can't bring those. You got to bring those and then able comes. So I think that's a terrific point. And us coaches, right? You know, if you're thinking about coaching and you're listening to this, that's an important point to redirect. That's coaching in and of itself. Yeah, I think, I think it's great. I think there is also to build on what you said is, there is a stage before that where you don't even know that coaching is an option because I think, you know, when the people come to the first coaching session, you already went quite, quite a stretch in sense of, you know, that the coaching is available. You might not really be clear what's the difference between mentorship, counseling, therapy, and all of that, but you, you at least are aware that there is something that is called coaching. In some cases, it's not even an option. It's not even part of the agenda. It's not even in, in, in the top of mind. There is only therapy. You have a problem, you think you're going to solve it with therapy. So, so opening up and creating that awareness, creating that understanding and knowledge of what is coaching ahead, really at the early days to, to demystify some of those beliefs, to inform people. I think it's a, it's a journey we're all in as coaches and really to to build that awareness, which is so useful, because then at least you know what you have, you know what the tools you have available, and you can decide. And then, of course, find out more about it. But at least that initial awareness, I think, is still where we have a lot of work to do. Let me piggyback on that, uh, actually, Chiara, because I do think that's that's an important point, because it's kind of also paradoxical. What I mean is, there's so much talk about coaching, Everybody's a coach nowadays for one thing or another. <laughs> My hair, you know, nutrition, uh, sports, etc. Mm-hmm. So there's so much uh, uh, talk, movement, and, and many people who embrace to become a, a coach. I sometimes think they're more coaches than coaches. <laughs> and yet, and yet, uh, a what are the what's the credibility of some of these coaches? I do think that's an important point to put out there as well. What is the, the, the experience, the credibility, the qualifications, if you will, of, of that coach? But then B, it is um, how come with all of this talk about coaching, it's still not necessarily popping up into people's mind in terms of saying, hmm, let me explore this. Let me, you know, get to that step. Maybe I'm not willing yet, Susan, but I am curious, mm-hmm. at least leading to the curiosity to reach out. And, and what do you think may be either blocking that process or what is it that the coaching community can do to yeah, I, I think you have such to provide clarity? Point. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is that the coaching industry is not regulated. I mean, nobody would go around saying I'm a lawyer <laughs> if you haven't gone to law school, right? I mean, think about that. That's a bit the problem. 
That's or I'm a doctor. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, or I'm a, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, doctor, you know, in Italy, we are all doctors if we take a... Uh, well, I mean, medical doctor, sorry. <laughs> exactly, but medical doctor, at least you need a, a different education. Oh, lawyer needs a different education. A psychologist needs a separate education. But coaching, yes, there is education, but it's not as recognized as an industry, as a, as a profession. And yeah. that is the big problem. Because then coaching is just a generic term. I coach you, right? I coach you, I coach there, I coach, we're all coaches. And that is, to me, really the, the bottom of the problem. Now, there is institutions like the International Coaching Federation that tends mm-hmm. to be more recognized. But the reality is that that's just a private organization. And a lot of us have leaned into that. I myself got a certification from, from them because I thought, well, at least they give me kind of a sort of recognition. But the reality is that there is so much wilderness <laughs> in that industry that's that right. we really want to, um, to regulate it. Any other thoughts on, on that? I'm like, hi. Ciao, Silvana. Thank you for joining. Bello vederti. It, it reminds me. Um, it, it, oh, sorry. No, no. Just, just want to say hello to everyone and uh, in particular to Paula. Sorry for joining later, but uh, please continue because I'm glad very, you're very here. much interested. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Ciao, a dopo. Ciao. So, no, what, what I wanted to mention is that it. it Aligned with what Kira was saying, drives me nuts when I see so many coaches without any kind of credentials, experience, and well, in some cases, lack of work ethics, I would say. But the problem is a combination, right? Because sometimes what I see happening is that because they, they, it's on the economic aspect, but sometimes because they charge lower fees, right? Mm-hmm. They get clients, you know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes they compromise, especially for the ones that cannot access, because imagine that you only access to coaches if you work in a big corporations where the corporation supports you. And then you are willing to engage with a coach but you can you have to pay on your own you end up engaging you can you can run the risk of engaging with the wrong one so at the end of the day you may have a good or a bad experience but imagine that the experience is bad then it influences in the whole you know because the word of mouth is like okay the the world of coaches is full of people that are not so so we're prepared so i think that that's the part for me, that is very difficult because I, I, I take the example of the, of the as you said, that, that is non-regulated with the assessment tools. When you work on that, that is non-regulating and everything can do an assessment. Uh, I work in both, right, in both aspects. And I see that that's a, that's a struggle. And, and I think that there's a lot to be done there just to be able to position really the people that are working on this professionally and have the credentials and the education and you know and the abilities and the skills to do it not just because i have people and i like i enjoy having people and i would like to give advices i can call myself a coach i love that wait wait give me a second you know? <laughs> coaching <laughs> yeah it's a chit chat moment uh Sigratella, yeah. we're also sisters yeah <laughs> but, and it links and maybe we can pivot as well to the pricing yeah. mm. because think about the price the money yeah 
kind of plays a role. Yeah. It kind of plays a role in many things in our lives, but hey, also uh, coaching. On the one side, is it too expensive? Is it not expensive enough? What is the right pricing strategy either for a coach, but especially for a coachee? Like Gracela, you were saying, there's some coachee, coaches who may discount their prices. Well, having experience, Paula, I mean, how do you go into a coaching relationship? Is it, you know, let's take one session and then go from there? Or do people say, I th- or based on our discussion, I think perhaps we need to have five chats or h- how is that normally set up? That, that's correct. That's the way I do it, but I'm happy to hear others as well in, in Chiara. But like Susan was yeah, saying, yeah, you got to yeah, have that yeah. initial chemistry call. Initial conversations. You everything. Gotta, you know, because it can go two ways. Like maybe I don't, maybe I may not be the right coach or you may not be the right mm-hmm. coach for me. You know, it's mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. like I tend to like to work with successful people. So it's kind of like already, it's filtering a lot, which usually don't need a coach, which makes me very happy. But um so that chemistry is really important. And then you define what's the objective. And then based on that, you set some sessions. Me personally, the less sessions, the better. I like to keep it focused. Nine sessions max. And then if, if there's no progress, you know, goes to someone else, to somewhere else, because it's not therapy, right? And if there are other mm-hmm. issues that need to pop up that are bigger, then, you know, um, perhaps somebody else is is better fit for that but yeah happy to open up to the others what are your to to answer to michelle's question so i think um i i totally agree that it needs to be time framed because you're setting a goal and a goal is not a goal if it's not time framed (laughs) It's, it's just a conversation so the point of coaching and i think also there maybe there is different practices but the point should have that we always have a smart goal that we can measure against and so, so then you you decide of course you adapt the times the time span to what type of goal we are we're trying to achieve and make it a way that within six to ten sessions you actually achieve that goal which means that then at the end of the session you can reconsider do i have another goal that i would like to work with a, with a coach and then you can set another goal and you, you can start a different program but it's really important that we really enable people to self-coach themselves to understand and learn them you know that develop that self-awareness so that you become autonomous and independent and you don't de- stay dependent like people start therapy and then they are 12 exactly. years in therapy <laughs> we don't want that right the, the point is we want to equip you and empower you and then you can go with yourself now i personally love to have a coach continuously and i said always new goals mm. but it's because it, it increases the accountability it speeds things up for me you know i get to my goals way faster if i go to my side than if i don't but i know that i can do i can do without it so mm-hmm. and then in terms of the chemistry sessions i think <clears throat> it depends really because if i get if i work with a company and, and they assign you know then the, the company uh, offers you know the selection of three coaches for example to to the, to the coachee and they select me then I don't go for for chemistry session then we go full in now of course if the chemistry doesn't work you can always change the coach but my objective is of course to to you know to be successful with whatever client I get so I think it, it really depends on a private uh, um, platform instead then the, the chemistry session is much more important because then it's your money it's your chemistry it's your goal you really want to understand that the person that you have on the other side has the right expertise has the right style that fits your needs that fits your you know your style your, your type of approach so then the chemistry session is absolutely fantastic.
So here we are, we've reached the end of this first part of the live event, which took place on June 17th. We covered a lot of ground in 30 minutes. Make sure you tune into the second part. We go a little bit more into the monetary and economic side of coaching uh, with the same format of part one, i.e. with Chiara Covona and with the wonderful participants who actively contributed to this conversation. As always, thank you for listening and until the next time, do take good care.